Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev Chris. Chris and David are currently off recording season three. Until then, check back here each week to hear one of Chris's sermons from the archive. Enjoy. Jenny and I have just had uh, our third child. Uh, His name is Jack. He is dressed in an Easter outfit today, which is ridiculously cute. Um, I'm sorry when he's older, I'll say sorry to him, but he's in an Easter outfit with even duck little feet. So do have a look. Um, But it's been an interesting, you know, three weeks. He's three weeks old and he's gorgeous. And it's quite amazing how you fall in love with something that just keeps you up, that vomits on you, that wheeze on you, that poos on you. Um, And being a boy, you know, we we have two girls. Being a boy, sometimes nappy changes are kind of exciting when you get dashed with stuff and you're like, whoa. Uh, So we're learning to to do that. But we love him, you know, and, and... and we're growing in love for him and we're gonna to continue to grow in love for him. And um, he has no idea about that at the moment. He doesn't know, he, he's pretty much thinking of two things, sleep and food. When I'm awake, feed me. Okay, now I'll sleep. <laughs> ah, I've slept, I'm awake, feed me. And that's what's going on in his mind, it seems at the moment. He, he does not know about the geopolitical climate or the turmoil going on in the world, the rather intense and worrying agreements between China and Russia or the current climate issues, or planned you know, more strikes because of low pay. He doesn't know any of these things, but um, he will grow in, in, and learn. And one of the most important things um, that we hope that he knows and he learns as he grows is that he knows that he is loved, that he knows that I, his father and his mother love him and the girls, Rose and Saoirse, love him. That through our action, through our words to him, he knows that he is loved and he can receive it. And the key is our relationship to him. Our relationship, our closeness, our consistency, and our communication with him as he grows. Our deepest desire as humans is to be loved. To know and to feel that we are loved. You could say that our deepest desire is to be loved. And if you can say this, you, you know that, as John says, God is love. And so our deepest desire really is to find God. God has put this as a kind of gravity in our hearts, into every person. The longing to be known. The longing to be loved. John's gospel, more than any other gospel, highlights this. And it's the core question posed throughout the gospel posed by God and answered by God. It's really interesting looking at this. The very first thing that John records Jesus saying is, what do you want? The first recorded words of Jesus in John's gospel. What do you want? He says this to the disciples who start to follow him when John the Baptist is moving around, baptizing people. He then says to these disciples, come and you will see. How wonderful is that? What do you want? Come and you will see what you want. Now, they may not have known then exactly what they want, but Jesus knew what they needed, what they wanted. And the way that John writes his gospel is he brings us, the reader, into the gospel. We participate on the journey with the disciples. We are they and they are us, in a sense, in the story, and we're brought into it. It is in our passage today at the end of John's gospel 
that we ultimately find out the answer to this question that Jesus poses. What do you want? And here we hear the question again, slightly different, but in a sense developed. It is moved from what do you want to a maybe a greater important question is whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? The answer to our soul's question is not a thing, but a person. Jesus, at this point, has been crucified, he's been beaten, he's been stripped, he's been nailed to a cross, he died, he's been placed in a tomb, and Mary comes to the tomb to wash him and clean him and anoint his body for his burial. She gets there early in the morning and the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. She's shocked, she's devastated, she doesn't know what's going on. So immediately she runs and she tells the disciples, And Peter and John run towards the tomb. Peter loves, uh, John loves to include random little segments in his gospels like smells and and timings. And here he includes, I got there first. Uh, And uh, so he gets there and he stands outside, probably not wanting to go in because if he went in, he'd be unclean because he'd be near a dead body. But Peter, who denied Christ, just legs it in. He's just like devastated by what's happened. So he just goes straight and doesn't even think. And then follow, John then follows. So they then see this is empty and they leave. And then Mary stays behind. She continues to weep. She's lost. She doesn't know what's going on. And as she's weeping, Christ comes, stands with her. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? He asks her again, who are you looking for? Her heart is laid bare. She's full of grief. She longs for the Lord. And what is the answer that he gives to her in that moment? It is the answer, I think, of all of our deepest desires. It is, in a sense, the cosmic answer of creation of God to his created beings. It is the deep longing of our souls, the only thing that will satisfy us. And it is this, the risen Christ sees her and he calls her by name. And he just says one word. He says, Mary. And immediately she knows who he is. Immediately her grief turns to joy. She turns towards and embraces Christ. This is what we all long for. For God to see us, to know us in our need, in our isolation, in our fear, in our sadness. God's voice one-to-one speaking unconditional love, gently, deeply, in compassion, saying our name. Do you hear him? In a sense, you are Mary in the scene. He says to you, Dan, Sarah, Jack, Lauren, Ellie, Gregory, Simon, whatever, put your name there. In the times of loneliness, isolation, fear, worry, do you hear God say your name? Because he says it to you. Have you heard God say, I love you, recently? It's important. Have you given him a chance to say, I love you? 
The resurrected Jesus has done it all from the other side of the grave, taking all your sin and your foolishness or your stuff or your weakness, the sin you've done on purpose, the sin you've done because you are weak. He's done it all and he's taken it all. And taking all, he looks at you and he calls you by name. You are his. What do you seek? I would say ultimately you seek to be known. You seek to be seen. You seek to be loved by God. In the end, this, in this act, God gives us our identity, our substance, the very being of ourselves. He moves us beyond all striving, all action. And when we hear God speak to us, we know we are lovable. We know we are worthy. We know we are immortal because God says we are. Ultimately, there are two types of prayer. Basically, breaking it all down, two types of prayer. Priestly prayer and personal prayer. Now, priestly prayer, I'm not talking about me, I'm holy. I'm talking about the priesthood of all believers. Priestly prayer, in a sense, is when you lift up the world, the sick, you intercess for the needs of uh, situations in the world and around you, like Verity prayed. Um, in a sense, that was a priestly prayer. And as his church, we're involved in that prayer. In liturgy and the Lord's Prayer, things like that, when we are gathered together and we intercede, there is a priestliness to it. And as humans created beings, we are called by God to intercede on behalf of the world, to call his kingdom and his reign down into this earth. We are called the priesthood of all believers. As humans, anthropologically speaking, that is part of who we are made to be. We are all called to be priests, praying in God's kingdom in this place. So that's a segment of prayer. But another type of prayer is personal prayer. Personally, when we just draw into God's presence, when we sit in the gaze of God, simply to be loved by him and know him. And they're distinct. And sometimes we confuse them and we're like, oh, but just their simple breaking down of two things. We need to spend time with God in personal prayer to hear his voice. To hear him say, I love you, my son, using your name. I love you, my daughter. I love my wife. I have not just on my wedding day said, I love you, and I've never said it again since. would be a little bit in trouble if that was the case. We say uh, multiple times a day, I love you. And one of the practices we have is just before bed, the last thing we say to each other is, I love you. And even though my daughter is riding a truck, and during my sir, I still love you, Sasha. <laughs> Could you be the big mean guy? Don't let her come back with that day. Um, anyway, I love them and I say it to them often. And they need to hear it and I need to hear it from Jenny. And, and those of us who were lucky enough to come in and spend an hour in the night through praying... Uh, I hope that you heard God speak that, that he loves you. And I'm sure that anyone who was in here would not trade their hour of prayer for another Netflix show or another hour of sleep. 
The times that we spend open to God's voice to hear him say, I love you, is a foundation in us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is historical evidence that God loves you. You know Jesus died for you. You know Jesus died for the sins of all the world. Imagine for a moment, just as a side note, Jesus died for people who, who will reject him, who will refuse to acknowledge him. He still died for them and he suffered pain and rejection on the cross for them. He loves them. Sometimes it's easier to receive the love of someone else. He loves you. Just the love of God poured out on the cross. Have you thought on that? God so loved the world that he sent his son. So we can, we can know this in a sense as head knowledge. We can come to church and sing these songs. We can say, okay, God loves me. I've heard it before. But you and I, we want more than evidence. We want experience. We want to know in our hearts, as well as in our minds, the fact that we are loved. And I think it is important that we, we have that experience, that we follow and we seek to serve God, not because of some cold principle, because we should do, but because we experience the love of God. And knowing that love, we seek to pour that love out to, the, to a world around us. We are sustained in this life when we feel and experience his love. And that is why we need to spend time with him in prayer and experience his love. That's why we gather, why we pray, why we serve. We want to feel that sense of God's love. And people might say, oh, well, I don't believe in God. I've never felt his love. Well, it's like meeting a man with really long hair who says to you, I don't believe in barbers. And you're like, well, have you ever gone to a barber? Have you ever gone to God and really sat with him and believed that he loves you? As a church, we are a gathered people loved by God, in love with God, who are open to his love, who are driven by his love to seek to love and serve the world around us, to lift it up in prayer. We are vessels made from the earth, called to know who we are and help change the world. Our prayer life is for us to keep in contact with this love for God, this sustenance of our souls, and then to intercede on behalf of the world. That the whole world would come to know who God is and know God and glorify him in themselves. Mature Christians are those who stand upon the rock of Christ, who know that they are loved, who do not allow the world, the flesh or the devil to rob them of this truth. Though the world will try, and to be honest, you will probably try as well. You, through your foolishness, through your acts, you will probably try and teach yourself you're not loved by God. Do not believe that you are. But a mature Christian will not allow themselves to be robbed. They will know in their head and they hopefully will have that relationship in their heart that will be deep, that they will know and experience God loves. And sometimes God in his wisdom, and we don't understand it, does draw away from us to allow the sense of his love for us to go deeper than just emotion. There is sometimes silence in our relationship with God. He draws back because he wants your love and reliance on him to go deeper than how you feel about him. 
And if you're in that season, it is a difficult season, but it is because God sees you and is taking you deeper. But he will come back. He always comes back. Jesus was raised. He loves you. His resurrection shows that love wins. Mary was weeping, devastated at the loss. But Jesus met her and called her by name. She heard it and her life was transformed. Have you heard him call your name? Give your life to him again today. For he loves you. And your name is written in the book of life. Amen.